0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, folks, Brian Nichols here from The Brian Nichols Show on We Are Libertarians Daily. Got a fun-filled episode in store for you with the red-headed libertarian confunder on Twitter at THRLofficial. Uh, It's a fun-filled episode talking about the midterm elections. Hope you enjoy. We'll see you soon.
1: Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast.
0: Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? (laughs) Yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network.
0: Today, I am joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kibbe. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show.
1: Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style, and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas, I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. All right, welcome back to The Brian Nichols Show
0: here on another fun-filled episode. Uh, today I am joined by, yes, a great, phenomenal, fantastic, whatever adjective you'd like to use for my next guest. She's a mother of three daughters and a wife who runs a small neuromuscular therapy practice in Massachusetts. She started tweeting back in December 9th of 2017. It's funny, I actually remember when she, uh, she started tweeting, because I, I think she, I was one of her first follows, uh, and she started tweeting as an outlet for her politics from a state that isn't very receptive to liberty, being obviously Massachusetts. She has since built a following of 17,000 people over the course of, yes, 10 months and 28 days, and if you're listening to this podcast, I can almost guarantee within the libertarian sphere of influence, you have followed her or you at least know of her in some way, shape, or form. I am joined by the one and only at TRHL official, Josie the Red-Headed Libertarian. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Brian.
0: Absolutely. And I am excited to have you on because I, so back in December of 2017, when I started following you on Twitter, um, I, I kind of had this feeling like, wow, she she's able to convey libertarianism. She isn't you, um, Josie, was able to convey libertarianism in a way that the average person was able to understand. And I think one of the things you do um, that I really enjoy seeing is when you'll do your um, dear person name on Twitter who posts some ridiculous thing about libertarianism. You're, you quote tweet them. You say, "Dear Janet, I see you. You thought that libertarianism was this, 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 and this. Actually, and then you go off on a nice little explanation as to what actually is the the principle or the value that's being promoted and You you essentially school them into shame, which is phenomenal because I think a lot of people within, not necessarily the the LP, but just in politics in general, they mischaracterize and build strawman positions for libertarianism. And it takes someone like you who is standing up saying, nope, you're wrong. And here is actually what we're talking about. And here's why it's important to right now. So for that, I'm just fascinated by your approach. So I know you, you mentioned – I mentioned your your intro there is that this was kind of an outlet for you to get into uh, releasing your, your political frustrations. But really, number one, what led you to be a libertarian? Um, and two, what have you been able to do that nobody else can do that has helped you captivate 17,000 followers in less than a year? And obviously, your message is resonating.
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, I have always been a libertarian. I just didn't really know what I was. Um... So I've always believed I, I never liked being told what to do any any time growing up anything like that. I was always a good listener, but I never liked it. And I wasn't very feelings oriented either. Um, So if somebody would try to say something like, in play to my feelings, I felt like it was manipulative and kind of insulting, as opposed to, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel bad for people, you know, like if they were trying to force me to feel bad for them, I would, I have empathy as opposed to sympathy. And I think that that is a huge difference when it comes to libertarian, libertarians versus socialists, for instance, libertarians are led by their empathy. We are empathetic. We can get right down to your level and say, I understand you. Um, Whereas sympathy would get you down to a level and be like, oh, I feel for you, you know? And, And I think that's an important difference libertarians are excellent at empathy and they're not as good at at sympathy you know we are mm-hmm. we're not very sympathetic people <laughs> <laughs> and and I think a lot of people confuse they they confuse sympathy with empathy so they conflate the two and they don't realize that there is that difference that but libertarians are the most empathetic people and the least sympathetic people um, and <laughs> So libertarianism is essentially it's, it's a political philosophy and it advocates for minimal state intervention in the lives of citizens. This I actually spoke about on Twitter maybe yesterday or the day before um, that libertarianism is on a spectrum, um, which is why there's so much divide. You know, libertarians are always fighting with one another. So libertarian spectrum is anywhere from anarchists to ANCAP to minarchists to conservative libertarians. Uh, essentially, what, what libertarians believe is don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. That's <laughs> really what it comes down to. And we believe this on the level of the individual. We don't believe in collectivism. We believe this on the level of the individual, which makes us the most empathetic group of people because sympathy needs collectivism to work. Empathy needs the individual to work because we have our own experiences. Um, so. Libertarianism is based in economic freedom. It's based in property rights, uh, constitutional rights, like the right to keep and bear arms. Um, some some um, of the spectrum of libertarianism um, believes in optional taxation for justice and defense. This really comes down to minarchy. We believe in merit over identity. As I was saying, um, non-aggression principle, which is don't use force unless you're defending yourself and just don't hurt people, um, you know. Non-force, uh, personal choices. Um, we have a non-interventionist uh, foreign policy belief. Most of us do, and civil liberties, privacy, and you know, personal freedom. We own our own body.
0: It's it's funny. That you say, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff, because that's really one of the core tenets of my show. Um, I actually am doing still a a bumper sticker sale um, to help spread that message. The bumper stickers are, don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff. (laughs) I I Um, might order one. Yeah, please feel free. Um, And and one of the things about the don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff messaging – is that I think anybody across the board, whether they're libertarian, conservative, Republican, Democrat, progressive, leftist, communist, socialist, people can across the board understand what it means to say don't hurt people and then don't take their stuff. Um, however, then once we like kind of go into the realm of politics and start talking about actual policy, so electing people to either A, enact laws or B, to fingers crossed, take away certain laws to open up, as we would like to see, the, the markets and and personal freedom and choice. Um the don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff idea kind of gets pushed to the back in in lieu of their own personal desires by using government to enact their own uh their own ventures, their own desires, their own will. Um so I think there's a really big disconnect from people understanding and appreciating the the don't hurt people, don't take their stuff and then actually uh, taking that and putting it into action in government. So I'm curious to hear in your perspective, what what should we do as greater libertarians to help not only promote the message, but then actually influence people in government or or people running for government at the very least, to then take those um, ideas and actually
1: put them into policy. Enjoying today's episode. Take a second to share today's episode with family and friends on social media. Want to do even more? Swing over to iTunes and give The Brian Nichols Show a rate and review.
2: I believe what the LP did when they were running um, Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, they did get more attention to libertarianism than anybody else did. However, they framed libertarianism as centrism. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to be out of your bedroom and out of your wallet was their big That was their go-to, as opposed to "don't hurt people, don't take their stuff." And you know, so a lot of people did get more involved, but it was for the wrong reasons. So we had centrism, but we had you know, democratic centrists and Republican centrists. And this is not; there are tenets of libertarianism that um, are centrism, but it's not the first tenet. It would it would be so far down the list for me of centrism as libertarianism um so i i believe that they they were able to kind of hook line sinker get people involved with the party by using centrism but i believe they should try to get people in the party by using libertarianism you know by using (laughs) imagine that (laughs) we can try economic freedom and property rights like we can try individual responsibility and, and try it like so when I, when, when people think libertarian for me, when I get my haters, when I get my family, when I get, you know, people from this area, my, my friends have no idea I run this page, you know, cause they would not understand it. Um, when they think of libertarianism, when they think of libertarians, they think of naked guy dancing on the stage. They think mm-hmm. of Vermin Supreme with a boot on his head, you know, or they think of Gary Aleppo Johnson, or they think of, um, the My Republican side thinks of Bill Weld praising Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And those are – that's how people see libertarianism. It's almost like they need to go like, OK, time out, rewind, fresh start. Hi, I'm libertarianism. Here's what I'm all about.
0: No, I, I 100% agree. I just – let's discuss this part right here. Um, and, and obviously, let's dig into the the 2018 election. So here we are we're recording on November 7th, the day after the primaries, or the, I'm sorry, the day after the midterms, uh, here in in 2018 in November, and the the GOP and Democrats pretty much split. Uh, so here I pulled the numbers really quick. So if you look into the Senate right now um, of the races that have officially been called. The Republicans maintain majority in the Senate, 51 percent. Democratic uh, Party, 44 percent in the Senate. Uh, there are still a couple of races. I think there's three seats that what's have yet. The, what's
2: the Senate number again? You said 51, but I know that's not right.
0: It's conf- so officially confirmed 51 votes. There's OK.
2: OK. Yeah.
0: There's three seats that are technically not decided yet. Um, But like. So we you know, just got
2: to wait. But 44 are decided for Democrats, 51 for.
0: Right. For Republicans. Re- OK. OK. Yeah. And and like it's it's then looking at the the House um, so Democrats have 22 uh, or 222 vote uh, votes in, in the House, and then Republicans have 196. Uh, the Democrats gained um, close to like 30 seats. Um, I'm sorry,
2: I'm writing these down as you're going. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. Yeah, you're good.
2: Uh, all right, two, two, two for Dems, and what was the number for Republicans? Yeah,
0: 196. 196. All right. Um. So we we're seeing a a shift in America right now, obviously back towards the Democratic Party with the, it's pretty much, it happens every um, uh, midterm after the presidential election. So 2016, Trump's elected, Republicans are in power. And then 2018, it was almost guaranteed that in some way, shape, or form, Democrats were going to gain seats either in the House, the Senate, or both. Um, It's happened pretty much every uh, midterm after the presidential election. For I think it's over the past hundred years, with the exception of 2002, which was obviously with right uh, after 9 right um, yeah, 11. Exactly. I believe
2: George Bush gained seats in the yes, House. Didn't correct. Me? Yes. Yeah, and
0: that was the only time that that's actually happened in, in the past like hundred years.
2: And that's because we had a national, the worst thing to ever happen.
0: Right, exactly. And, and here we are. I mean, we're in a perfect time for libertarians to make a name for themselves because the tribalism within America is just so poisonous. I mean, you have. Um, the whole Kavanaugh hearing, where you had Republicans versus Democrats, and and it was it, it was it was really gross in my opinion of like this um, weaponization of the Me Too mo- uh, movement, and you you see this opening for libertarians, and yet libertarian candidates across the nation just just end up always finishing in third in the single digits and. It seems like every election that libertarians are supposed to have, like you know, this is this is our moment. Like we're we're going to take the step forward. They end up faltering to the wayside. I mean, it, this, and I I mean no ill will or disrespect towards Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp, I had him on my show back in March. Um, one of the most uh, phenomenal guys to ever have on a show. Um, he's very articulate. He knows libertarianism like like the back of his hand. Larry ran a just crazy campaign. He went to all sixty two counties in New York State. He was looking to really pull a lot of votes from the wishy-washy Republican candidate in Mark, uh, Marcus Molinaro. And Larry ends up pulling in 1.6% of the vote. Um, that, that was just kind of shocking to me. He came in fourth to, the the Green Party candidate in Howie Hawkins. And I'm thinking like, you know, Larry, yes, Larry got the LP on the the ballot for the next four years because he got over 50,000 votes. And Larry is easily one of the biggest success stories right now that we can look at in the United States from a libertarian perspective. And he came in fourth. What is the approach that the LP needs to take to, number one, have... Real ability to have an impact on elections to the point that they're not just being an outlier or they're, they're, you know, tossing a a vote one way or another, but actually winning elections and then being able to enact policy That's number one. But then number two, how do we educate the voter mass to get beyond, like you had mentioned the naked guy on stage or the Gary Johnson with his tongue out? What do we have to do differently that we haven't done yet?
2: Well, part of the large problem is the duopoly is fear-based. So people think, like, I think in one state, in one state, and I can't remember which one, I read it today, um, there was actually a libertarian who did, who was a conservative libertarian who did actually take votes from the Republican who lost, oh, you know what? It was the Tapper, or no, was it, what the hell's his name? Tester. Hester? Oh, yeah. John Tester. Tester's the one, yes. It was the Tester race where he was going against a Republican and the Libertarian there got like 2.9% of the vote. And, And the division, the split between the Republican and Tester was like 1%. So there was there, – there is a case there that libertarianism could have you know ruined it for the Republicans, but I do not even go there when it comes to voting your conscience.
0: Agree, And you know what? I honestly – I don't care if we ruin votes. And like I just – I hate the fact that the LP has gotten to this point that that's what we consider a victory. Like, oh, look at We we stopped one candidate from getting all these votes and another the candidate, whether it's the Democrat or the Republican. It's like, no, we, we have to stop having that be – a a victory. Like <laughs> I think with the duopoly,
2: it's fear based, and the media picks sides. So we saw it with Gary. They did a very for his Aleppo moment. That was a very common tactic. What they did with him, he was yeah. talking. I, I think he was talking about health insurance or something, healthcare. So he's on this tangent about healthcare. Every question was about healthcare, and then all of a sudden they're like, "And what do you think about Aleppo?" And his brain went to like is that a medicine? Like, is that, what's, what? <laughs> what's, you know, in Aleppo? Like, what's, yeah, exactly. What's Aleppo? Like what is, you know, and that's what they did. And that is how they framed him for the rest of the time. And they did it because he was a threat to Hillary Clinton because he was a, what they perceived as a centrist. They perceived him as taking votes from Hillary. So that was, that's why he had this, this moment. And that's why that happened. And I think until there's a real liberty outlet, like we have Fox News and we have CNN, and those are very far ends of the the same spectrum. We need another media outlet to start off with that is going to promote liberty. Uh, We need to break the duopoly. We need to have libertarians be able to debate. We need to have libertarians be able to have their voices heard. Like they're not allowed to debate in a free and fair election. That We can't have the libertarians, the Green Parties, the independents that are all duly elected as the nominee we cannot they're not allowed to vote i was saying in massachusetts we have uh we had shiva he was a the independent nominee and he's got like oh god i'm probably misquoting this he's got he's a doctor he's got like four degrees from mit but he couldn't debate and i mean that could have we might not have liz warren again if he could have his say you know Mm -hmm. that's that's how serious it is but the du- there's money in the duopoly, there's power in the duopoly, and they use fear to promote it like they do every other facet of our life. They
1: use fear to control it. Want to support The Brian Nichols Show? Please consider making a one-time PayPal donation at Show at gmail.com or join the Patreon at bnicholsliberty. Right. And I think you're doing something that is
0: kind of helping break beyond this duopoly. Um, and that is you're using alternative means to reach people. So we're in, and this is also kind of going back to why it's so scary when you watch somebody who, even though I deplore him, Alex Jones, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's being deplatformed from, from Facebook and from Twitter. That
2: terrifies me. That absolutely terrifies me that that's happening.
0: And rightfully so, because you look at, you look at the other organizations like the, the Free Thought Project, which, you know, I'm not necessarily a big fan of, of the Free Thought Project, but, um, now no, first of all not to be confused with the free state project who've had my show the free thought project which but it was a libertarian page well libertarian slash um anarchist page that had uh, well over a couple million uh viewers and they get completely removed from Facebook and it's it's it makes me nervous going back to my original point because th- that's really the outlets that the libertarian messaging has been able to to take advantage of over the past really 10 years is these alternative forms of media whether it's social media through through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um but then podcasting, podcasting has really become the means for the libertarian message to break beyond the confines of the the CNN or the Fox News, besides having, you know, Kennedy on Fox every now and then uh, or Glenn Beck back when he started out on on CNN, who Glenn Beck is hardly, you know, a, a full-blown libertarian, but he's definitely gotten more libertarian as he's gotten older. Um you know, podcasting has become the means that people listen to to actually hear the alternative way of thinking. And and we're seeing people get deplatformed because now they're presenting these different ideas and a lot of it I dare say is being, you know, led by the mainstream media we currently have with CNN, Fox, MSNBC, CBS, ABC. They're terrified of number 1 this alternative form of media, but then also they're they're terrified of not being able to control the narrative like they've been able to control for the past what, 60, 70 years? Yes, you're absolutely right.
2: And big tech is a large problem of it. And, you know, as libertarians, we're, we're stuck. We're like, okay, well, they're a private business. They're a private entity. But at the same time, you know, Facebook bought, what they buy? Instagram, you know, uh, Twitter bought Vine. And that's definitely not something monopolies do. So there is a monopoly on free speech. And that's where it's getting tricky that's where it's getting tricky to be able to differentiate, okay, is this really just a company you know, saying uh, with their free association, I would like to associate with these people, I would not like to associate with these people? Or is this how we communicate now and this is how we speak to each other now? And there is a monopoly that is controlling the conversation that we are having and they're shutting down other conversations.
0: It's scary because I really don't know – like uh I, on the the big show on the We Are Libertarians network with Chris Spangle um just a couple of weeks ago he was saying you know I I am fully preparing that we are libertarians will be removed from Facebook by 2020 at the latest um which is which is kind of you know very well not kind of it is scary because I mean we are libertarians is not some controversial organization like it's it's a podcast that started out, out of Indiana with a couple of guys and we talk about ideas we don't promote anything that's controversial it's not like you know touching the the border of of polite conversation it's it's like we're talking about different ideas and we see other organizations who are in that same realm who are now being flagged i mean heck larry sharp had his ads on facebook like two days before the election had them um banned because they were quote unquote suspicious activity from the, the accounts. It's like, no, it's a guy running for governor. He's got your blue check mark. This is absolutely ridiculous. And yet it's being allowed because libertarians, I think get stuck in the, the, the private property rights. And yes, Facebook has the right to do it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't use our platform and use our voices to say that's not right. Um, so Beyond the point of saying, okay, what are we going to do besides saying it's not right? I mean, what's the other channel? What what other platform? What other outlet do you see libertarians maybe being able to utilize? You know, if if the reality, if it comes reality in the next five years, that all these different platforms are being taken away.
2: I believe libertarians are going to need to come up with their own. We're going to need to get some some techie libertarian to create one. The closest thing we have to a free speech outlet is Gab and Gab has just is ridden with stigma right now. And I think that that was done purposefully. And then, I mean, for instance, the guy who did the horrible, horrible shooting last week or a week and a half ago,
0: the the Jewish shooting um, in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yes,
2: yes, exactly. So the man who who did that had a Gab account. He had also had a Twitter account. And he made 240 threats on Twitter that, you know, whatever, like they just they're too busy, you know, shutting down anybody else like, you know, other than like they shut down Gay Patriot, for instance, you know, so they're too busy Mm -hmm. quieting down Gay Patriot to notice these 240 threats like that this man did. But then he's on Gab saying not threatening anybody on Gab, just talking about himself on Gab. And Gab is the one that got thrown under the bus.
0: And then you look at somebody like Dana Prino and da- or not Dana Prino, Dana uh, Dana Lash, and I mean she gets death threats literally on a daily basis on Twitter, and it's it's allowed for whatever reason. But then you know you have like you mentioned, Gay Patriot, who who he's he's a troll, like and it's fine. He's a troll. That's that's his role in life, and he he fully embraces it. But then he gets banned, and it's like okay, well. What's the standard? Like, we're having a a top female conservative commentator literally getting death threats about herself, her family, her kids. But then you have a guy who's a troll, and he's a conservative troll. One gets banned, and one doesn't. And it happens to be the one who's just a troll, not the one who's actually making death threats that doesn't get banned. So I think there maybe is a little bit of an issue there. I think people are realizing it. The problem is, is that it's only... Those more on the right, to kind of get back on track a little bit, um, looking at the messaging, uh, I agree that libertarians probably have to have a different platform. I just then get nervous because, not necessarily nervous, I just get a little disheartened because part of the problem that we currently have right now in America is that the libertarian messaging is being so stifled by not only those in the media, but now by these different tech companies. I mean other than literally going out and holding events, you know, in public where we're, we're holding like almost like Steven Crowder change my mind events. Um, you know, I don't know what, what more libertarians could possibly do, uh, than what they're already doing. I mean, maybe keeping these networks for more just networking between libertarians to say, Hey, I'm going to be in downtown Boston holding an event. Um, you know, help me, help me reach out people by putting flyers up or whatever um i just I don't know what the different alternative would be to what we're currently doing if and when the time comes that these different organizations are actually you know stifling the speech to the point that we don't have a don't have a platform
2: it's 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 tricky it's it's really hard because I believe we're being stonewalled by the media for starters um they're they framed us and they will continue to frame us a certain way. Um, and that's going to be bought because of the duopoly of fear that's going to be bought by conservatives and Democrats, even if they are themselves more liberty minded, they're not going to see the Libertarian Party as an outlet for liberty minded thought. So we are really hey, we're not even at a crossroads. We're just at a wall right now. We just have to figure out how to get past the wall.
0: Like it's never easy for libertarians because we were facing the media, we're facing the stigma and there's just. There's no clear like path to take, and it's so frustrating because you see each party, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, have the ability to have their narrative pushed uh, in one shape, way, shape, or form. And then here we are. It's like, hey, we just had different ideas, and we're completely silenced. But I digress. Um, so, <laughs> to, to maybe maybe on some uplifting notes, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, the the Twitter master who's gained seventeen thousand followers in less than a year. You're obviously doing something right. You're, you're bringing people into not only your sphere of influence, but with that, you're being able to promote the ideas of, of liberty, uh, free markets, economic freedom, personal responsibility, and personal freedom. And you're, you're actually bringing people into the movement with, with what you're doing. So if you could just give some advice, some perspective to some of those libertarians who get stuck in the libertarian echo chamber, to you, Josie, the the redheaded libertarian, what would you recommend to, to them
1: in order to build their spheres of influence and actually help change hearts and minds? Connect with Brian on Twitter and Facebook at B. nichols Liberty and send your comments and questions to the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com.
2: I stay away from infighting. I don't infight with people. Um, if and I honest the 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 platform that infights with me most in libertarianism are the anarchists. Um, And I love the anarchists. I'm going to keep loving them back. I'm going to keep listening to them. Um, But I think the infighting needs to stop. Um, I believe most of us agree with each other more than we think we do. Um, I believe we have the same goals, but we have different ways that we want to achieve that liberty and we have different levels of belief of that that liberty. Like for, for instance, for me as a minarchist, I believe in justice. I believe in the justice system. I believe that per the constitution, we need to have a, some very small government, even if it's just for our justice system, um, for the purpose of checks and balances. So, so for instance, that's, that's just my belief, but you know, I'll get people coming at me like, I'm like I'm, ruining libertarianism for believing that and i'm spreading lies and i'm you know i'm evil and i'm a a statist you know um (laughs) for this for this belief that i've based on the constitution i've based on the founders i've based on the principles of liberty i've based on the foundation of this country um and and i just want to you know be like crowder and sit down and say okay change my mind you know, but it usually comes with some kind of personal attack, which makes me not want to have that conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, oh, <laughs> libertarians are notorious for unfortunately making situations that don't need to be personal, extremely personal. Um, yes. and, and
2: and I don't do that with libertarians. I do that with rude people. <laughs> if you are rude to me, I will sit you down and hope this helps you. And that they need is, it. That, and they, they probably, yeah, they need it. And that's. It, just don't be rude to people. Don't be mean to people. Don't hurt people. Don't touch their things. You know,
0: because <laughs> I don't think a lot of libertarians understand that when you start, you know, tossing ad hominem attacks at people, that just shuts people off. Um, mm-hmm. They they don't want to hear your message anymore. You know, oh, you called me a statist. Oh, you called me this. Oh, you called me that. Okay, great. How receptive am I going to be to any, any point or message you have going forward? Um, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jason Stapleton, but Jason Stapleton on his program, um, he has a good analogy, uh, analogy, metaphor, one or the other, um, in which he, he talked about, you know, we're on a bus and we're Mm -hmm. on our way to, to, let's say anarchism. Like that's the world that we all want to live in. Yes, I'm on board with that. But you know what? We aren't even close to getting to that destination. So, until now and then, can you help me out? Can can we get off the bus at the same time and try to, to you know, fight our way? I am willing
2: to work with anybody who wants to move us toward liberty. If you are a democratic socialist and you want to move your way toward liberty, if you're like, okay, you know I kind of like these ideas, but I also like these ideas, and I'm seeing like, okay, I can create a pathway from here to here that's going to mm-hmm. make sense to you. I will work with you on that pathway, you democratic socialist. I'll do the same thing with you know a far-right troll or a a christian conservative i'm willing to work with anybody to make liberty happen i just i don't do the infighting i do i'm not combative unless they are combative with me first then i defend myself because that's my right
0: i don't think people realize like ron paul literally went out of his way to co-sponsor the uh the audit the fed bill with with bernie sanders mm-hmm. democratic socialist bernie sanders like ron paul Rand did that paul. Rand Paul, and, yep. and, and Rand, yeah, Rand Paul. And, um, yep. and then you have you have folks like, like Tulsi Gabbard, who I think, out of Hawaii, she's a congresswoman. I think she has a lot of ideas that libertarians, especially on the privacy side and the more personal freedom side, she is kind of libertarian in her, her messaging. And then obviously with more economic stuff, she gets much more into the, the more democratic socialist mentality. I mean, Cory Booker, for... Before his crazy I am Spartacus moment there back oh in, God. That, which was awful. It was just, it was embarrassing he and terrible. He had a
2: moment before that that turned me off with Christian Nielsen when mm, mm-hmm. he went off on her. Like, that was just the most disrespectful thing. But yes, please go
0: on. It was a, before his, he's going insane. I mean, mm-hmm. Rand Paul and him were working together for, for criminal justice reform and mm-hmm. I just... Oh yeah,
2: and then he... He, he went nuts. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, he went nuts after Rand Paul got attacked mm-hmm. and then he went on... Um, he went on his whole thing, blaming Republicans for Rand Paul getting attacked, and Kelly Paul actually came out against it and said, "Corey, you need to denounce what you said. You need to not say things like that. You know, like like we like you, like and you worked with Rand and you're friends with Rand. Why are why are you saying these horrible things?
0: Gone you know? are the days. Gone are the days of people being able to disagree and mm-hmm. uh, still be civil. I mean, it, it made my heart warm. There was a tweet. Um, and it said, you know." at the end of the day, friendship over politics. And it was, it was uh, two kids. One kid had a Beto shirt on, Beto, um, or a uh, Beto O'Rourke shirt on, <laughs> and the other one had a Tech Crew shirt on. And they you know, were arm-in-arm arm embracing each other. And I'm like, you know what? We, we see so little of that nowadays because it, we've gotten to this point where – and it's funny. I, I literally just listened to a, a Ben Shapiro episode that's a few weeks back. Um, I'm way behind in my shiz. I'm trying to catch up on. Mm-hmm. I listen to at the gym and I just, I get so behind. But anyways, <laughs> the episode was talking about us not assuming ill intent by the, the our political opponents. You know, no, don't assume just because somebody disagrees with you on an issue that they're coming in from their disagreement with a point of, of uh, ill intent or ill will. Um, so it was more focused on discussing about uh, policy disagreements. So if somebody, uh, promotes the idea of democratic socialism. Don't instantly assume their intent. Saying, "Oh, they just want to take over the government and then enforce their will upon you." They may be coming in with, uh, you know, going back full circle back to the sympathetic approach versus the empathetic approach. Saying, "I want to be able to help people because I see this travesty and this this ill, uh, this, this um, upsetting instance in the world. And what can I do to to fix this?" And they go in with the idea they're helping and they're trying to fix it instead of looking at what they're doing in the actual negative ramifications. We can't look at them and just say, hey, what you're saying is evil and you're trying to take the government and be a status and take over my life. Like that doesn't win them over. And if anything's going to dig their heels in, they'd be like, hey, screw you. Like I'm I'm believing what I believe. I didn't want to take over your life. We just had to stop assuming the ill intent. But I digress. Um, so with that. I want to give the, the the platform to you for the, the final thoughts um, here in the episode, Josie, um, the redheaded libertarian. If you could give me um, your final thoughts for the episode, but then also, I want you to be able to take a second and uh, if folks are interested in finding you, not only on Twitter, but also across social media, where can they go ahead and find you?
2: They can find me at um, TRHL, official on the Twitter. Um, I I co-run a Facebook page that isn't under my name. It's called the Libertarian Edge, and you can find it on Facebook. Uh, it's not the most active. I might post on there maybe once or twice a day tops. Um, I don't have an Instagram or a Snapface or a –
0: Snapface. Well, Wow, you, you are a Patriots fan. You're, you're taking after <laughs> Bill Belichick there.
2: <laughs> I am. Um, I, I don't have any of that. Um, but, but yeah, you can you can find me on there. Um I don't I'm I'm not a big DMer. I probably have probably close to 300 unanswered DMs. But I do try to fu- like I try to recognize everything that is commented on my page. So anybody who writes on my page I try to at least acknowledge it with a like or a comment or something. <laughs> um there is it's getting harder as the page grows. Um
0: But yeah, 300 my- unread DMs. At least. Oh, God bless you. That's. Yeah. Oh.
2: I've skimmed them over. Um, it's not a lot of hate mail, honestly. Like I you would expect it to be, you know, with my position that I get a lot of hate mail. But I've I've only gotten one one death threat since starting the page.
0: <laughs> I've only um, gotten one death threat.
2: Only one death threat. <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually really creepy. I was um, I used to do live streams. I used to do a lot of live streams when I first started the page. Um, right up through, I think my, it was my last one and I think it was in March, March or April. And I was doing my live stream. No, do you know when it was? I know exactly when it was. It was, um, March 28th because it was 3:28, and it was Patriots, you know, the, the Atlanta Falcons blew a, Oh,
0: Yes, a 25 point lead day,
2: you know, so obviously I'm Pat's fan. Most people just get it. They get that I troll them and, you know, but I, I love them. I don't care what team they root for, you know, but it's just my, my little quirk. But, um, it was that day and I had, I, I I said something about 28 to three and this one person comments and they're like, Hey, Josie, what's your favorite horror movie? And I'm like, well, I don't really watch horror movies. And he goes, mine's the one where the redhead got her throat slit for making fun of the Atlanta Falcons. And I was like, holy okay. shit. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, that's <laughs> creepy. Nope. Yep, yep. Not but a that fan. Was the
2: last time, that was the last time I live streamed. I was like, that, that was enough for me.
0: How about that? The one time you get a death Now It's not related to politics at all. It's about football.
2: It wasn't. It was the Patriots. Go figure that one out, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess some people are pretty passionate about their politics, but
0: yeah people with football though I mean I'm I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan in Philadelphia so I uh, I, I constantly am on on my head in a swivel because
2: <laughs> I, I married into that franchise my husband
0: was born in Texas there you go smart man
2: yeah I but I love my football it's something we can do together you know
0: <laughs> well well that I think that's a good happy place to end the show today. But but Josie, thank you so much for taking the time to uh to join me. I know you're you're under the weather today and and obviously a mom of three kids, uh you're busy. So with that, I wanted to just thank you for for taking some time out of your night. Um please, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed today's episode, swing over to uh to, to Josie's uh Twitter handle. Again, it's the redheaded libertarian official, uh T R. H.L. official on Twitter. Um, I'll go ahead and obviously put a, a link to her Twitter profile there in the show notes. 17,000 followers in less than a, a year is, is absolutely insane. I've had my Twitter since 2000 and Twelve, and I have like just under five thousand. So, I mean, it, you're doing something better than I am, and I, I'm truly, you know, in awe of watching you and be able to to have the the platform you do to, to promote libertarian and liberty ideals. So, keep doing what you're doing, Josie. You're doing a phenomenal job, and you know, to, as as a libertarian, saying this, thank you for all you do to help promote the message.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me on your show. This has been great. I hope we get to do it again sometime.
0: Absolutely. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if hey, if if you follow Josie, I hope you'll enjoy me as well. Follow me on Twitter at BNicholsLiberty, also on uh, Facebook at BNicholsLiberty. And also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please take a second and uh, make a one-time PayPal donation. Uh, you can go ahead and find that uh, link. At the Brian Nichols show at gmail.com or if you really 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 like what the content we have here at the Brian Nichols Show become a patreon uh, also at B Nichols Liberty but until next week folks it's Brian Nichols signing off here for Josie the red-headed
1: libertarian on Twitter. We'll see you next week Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols show. find more episodes at BrianNicholsshow.com.